You're going to love this. Just love it. Yes. Yes, you will. Maybe. Just maybe. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the stuck middle. Stuck in the middle with you. Live from Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is your broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM San Diego, 99.5 FM Ridgecrest in China Lake, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK. Dot O-R-G. On the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the iTunes, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, India, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and five days a week on Radio Sputnik. Glad you could join us today. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around Swell fellow from bradblog.com. We have another uh, lively, action-packed adventure for you here on the broadcast, And we are live in the Pacifica Radio KPFK studios in Los Angeles. And so that means, if I can, if we can do it, if we can find the time, if the phones work, our phone number will be 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. Um, All right, coming up shortly, Big Oil, you'll be shocked to learn, is trying to scare the bejesus out of you concerning a new landmark bill that is up for a final vote in the uh, California State Senate this week, actually in the state legislature, in the Assembly. We will be talking about that shortly. We will be talking about... I know you're amazed. I know I can hear you out there now saying, wait, what? Big Oil is lying to me? That can't be. Tell me it ain't the truth. Well, it's the truth. Well, we'll find out if it's the truth. Maybe it's not. Maybe I've got this entire story wrong because I've been trying to figure this out for a while. And we will be talking to Tim O'Connor from the Environmental Defense Fund shortly about all of this. Also, unless you guys call in and steer me in a completely different direction today, which you are welcome to do. I'm completely open to it. A new poll finds yet again that Americans support the Iran nuclear deal, which warmongering Republicans and a few cowardly Democrats have uh, they have failed to block this thing. This thing is going forward. Uh, It it may not even get a vote in the Senate. And uh, frankly, uh, if Ted Cruz and some other Republicans uh, get their way, uh, it, it may not even get a vote at all because they realize they're about to lose and so they're coming up with all kinds of uh, tricks to uh, to hoax you. We will unhoax you in the uh, in the hour ahead. Uh, another Democratic candidate is jumping into the 2016 race today. Maybe we'll talk about that if you want to. Fallout continues for the. 
Kentucky County clerk who not only refuses to do her job, but also refuses to let others do their job. And that's the problem. Uh, we'll talk about that. Georgia, uh, uh, Georgia, I should say, admits to voter suppression. And the clock is ticking down in Texas, where the uh, photo ID restriction law has been found unlawful and illegal and a violation of the Voting Rights Act again and again and again and again. And yet it is still in place as we get close to the 2015 elections in Texas and, of course, the uh, the election, the uh, presidential election in 2016, unless the courts take action. So some or all of those things on today's broadcast, along with your calls, if the Radio and uh, telephone gods are with us, as I say. But first, the state of California, uh, as sweltering as it is this week, uh, has long been a leader for the nation in environmental policy. We've led the way out here uh, in fuel efficiency standards, appliance efficiency standards. Your refrigerator uses less energy no matter where you are listening to me. You have only California to thank for that. Uh, you're welcome. Vehicle emission standards uh, started here. Electric uh, cars. Uh, we have more of them than I think we've got about 40 percent of the uh, nation's electric cars are all here in California. Other states in the union often look to policies in California when considering their own improvements to their own environmental policy. So I, I frankly, I've been quite proud of our state for that. Uh, as David Roberts at Vox.com noted recently, it's difficult to overstate how important California is to the U.S. clean energy effort. For decades, California has been serving as a kind of existence proof, growing its economy even as per capita energy use and carbon intensity have fallen. California could also set an example yet again for other states, many of which will soon be casting about for ways to comply with Obama's clean power plan. For good or ill, writes uh, David Roberts, decisions made in California reverberate well beyond the state's border. So you can imagine, you can imagine my surprise when I started seeing these shocking, and I mean shocking, commercials all over television out here for the past few weeks. If you can afford a Tesla, then this message won't really matter to you. But the California Gas Restriction Act of 2015 will restrict the use of gas and diesel in California by 50% over the next 15 years. Some say it's about state regulators limiting how far we can drive by rationing gas, increasing costs, or penalizing drivers for using too much gas. But really, it's about making it harder for regular people to drive to work and drive home each day. Oh, my God. Rationing gas, making it harder for regular people to drive to work. That's what this is all about. And uh, that ad, which has been playing, con I don't watch a lot of TV. But when I have watched TV over the past few weeks, I see that ad, which points me to a very, very scary place. Uh, a website, don'ttakemygas.org. Yes, that's right. They're going to take your gas. They're going to make it harder for you to get to work. They're going to ration gas out here in California, according to this ad. Whoever's running it, they must have a lot of money to spend because I'm seeing it a lot. Now, if you look very closely at the end, the ad says who has paid for it. The Western States Petroleum Association working with 
the California Drivers Alliance. Oh, the California... These must be drivers that all get together and they're concerned about policy. Well, if you go to don'ttakemygas.org, it actually goes to a place called CaliforniaDriversAlliance.org, which is described on the website as a program of the Western States Petroleum Association representing fuel users, fuel users, and providers. Oh, yeah, them. That's who uh, this group is. Uh, providers on matters related to mandates impacting fuel costs and av- availability. The website, uh, which and obvious, it, so California Drivers Alliance doesn't actually exist. It's just the Western States Petroleum Association setting up this group to make it sound like it's drivers who are concerned about this. Anyway, if you go to their website, uh, it, it has an even scarier ad about what California is planning to do to you. The Gas Restriction Act of 2015 will restrict the use of gas and diesel in California by 50%. This law will limit how often we can drive our own cars. The state will also be collecting and monitoring our personal driving habits and tracking how much gas we use. They're now reviewing regulations to force automakers to include data monitoring systems in all cars so that regulators will be able to penalize and fine us if we drive too much or use too much gas. Say no to the new California driving restrictions. Go to don'ttakemygas.org. <laughs> the new California driving restrictions. The uh, California Gas Restriction Act of 2015. That sounds terrible. And, of course, this uh, website offers a link to sign a petition Uh, that you can send to the, quote, reckless politicians in Sacramento who are working to restrict gasoline and diesel fuel in California by 50 percent over the next 15 years. They call it the California Gasoline Restriction Act of 2015. Uh, They say that uh, the California's Air Resources Board uh, will, will now have the power if SB 350 passes The Air Resources Board here in California will have the power to ration gasoline and diesel fuel, limit how many miles you can drive, monitor and penalize motorists for using too much gasoline, increase taxes, uh, gas taxes to reduce demand and impose surcharges on family minivans and pickup trucks. Yes, that's you, soccer mom. Driving in your family minivan, they're going to reduce the gas you're allowed to use. Uh, they will have a blank check to cut your gasoline by 50 percent, says the, um, what are they called, the California Drivers License uh, Drivers Alliance, which is don'ttakemygas.org, which is the Western Petroleum whatever. So actually, what this is all about is SB 350. It's not called the California Gas Restriction Act of 2015. It's the Clean Energy and Pollution Reduction Act of 2015. It's introduced by the Democratic Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon, and it's already been passed in the California Senate. It's now facing a final vote in the state assembly this week. So, of course, big oil is freaking out. Now, again, this is important. This is a California law, but this matters to the rest of the nation, both in regard to how renewable energy will be phased in, as the entire nation is now working to meet federal greenhouse gas emission standards, and how the fossil fuel industry, specifically big oil in this case, plans to oppose those plans, misleading the American people if they must, because it helps their bottom line, their profits, even as uh, the use of their product is now quickly pushing the planet towards an irreversible and deadly climate crisis. Anyway, 
if you believe those scientists. Uh, here is someone uh, to answer some of our questions about this scary, scary ad. What will SB 350 really do? Um, the objectives, if you read the bill, says it will increase from 33 to 50 percent the procurement of our electricity in California from renewable sources. So that's not bad. We're already going to 33 percent uh, reductions. Now it's going to go to 50 percent reductions uh, for renewable energy sources for our electricity. And yes, it will reduce today's petroleum use in cars and trucks by up to 50 percent. So what of the remarkable claims in that scary uh, in that scary video? Tim O'Connor joins us. He is a senior attorney and director of the Environmental Defense Fund's California Climate Initiative and environmental policy expert. O'Connor represents EDF's initiatives in the state legislature, state and federal courts, and the State Public Utility Commission on issues related to climate, pollution, and clean energy. Tim O'Connor, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, really great to have you here, sir. Uh, and you have a lot to answer for because I'm sure you are supporting this effort to ration our uh, our, our gas, to restrict our driving miles, uh, and whatever else uh, that uh, you uh, dastardly folks in Sacramento are going to do. So let's talk about this. Uh, I'd love to go through this ad, uh, Tim, because I've been trying to figure it out now for weeks what's really going on. So if you can respond uh, to the apparently Western, what is it, Western Petroleum? Yeah, Western States Petroleum Association. Yeah, if you can respond to to their ads. Uh, some say it's about state, some say, I love that, it's about state regulators limiting how far we can drive by rationing gas. I looked at this SB 350, it's a long bill, but I couldn't find anything in there about rationing gas. What am I missing, Tim? Yeah, well, I, I think that you're not going to find rationing gas on there because, you know, it's just hidden in, in the text. I see. You know, that's, uh, that's really what WISPA would like for you to believe. You know, in Washington State, they, uh, they use this playbook where they funded a number of, of uh, local groups. And actually, Bloomberg News intercepted a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation that was delivered to the Washington Energy Council where they were bragging about how many groups they funded yeah. in Washington and in California. Uh, you know, just some of the, the groups that are out there, uh, Kern Citizens for Energy, the Concerned Mineral Owners of California, <laughs> Californians Against Higher Oil Taxes, Californians for Energy Independence, the local hydraulic fracturing campaign, Save Our Jobs, Californians Against Higher Taxes. They're all WISPA-funded and WISPA-organized groups that are all aimed at distracting and destroying climate and clean energy progress uh, in really the state that has the most to gain and that has been one of the biggest contributors of climate change emissions in the U.S. Uh, and really in the world. California is trying to you know, bend the curve of emissions downward. Uh, if you look at you know, our state, you'd see that we are the number one user of gasoline uh, in the United States. And if we were a country, we'd be the third largest user of gasoline, next only to the U.S. and China on the planet. And so WISPA, of course, and the oil industry, which has spent $39 million in lobbying uh, in the last year alone, that's not even counting their most recent lobbying reports, which haven't been released yet. That's if you know, Kobe Bryant and Andre Ethier took their combined salaries, just retired, and just poured it all into lobbying up in Sacramento. That's how much WISP has been spending over the last year to try to derail this progress. And so you're not going to see, of course, 
you know, the legislature say people can't drive. That's not going to work. They wouldn't get reelected if that were the case. But what they are saying is we have a package of things that we're currently implementing. We have vehicle efficiency standards. We have alternative fuel standards. We have new planning mechanisms to try to get people to see their cars as something else. They want people to be able to use their cars as much as they want them, but they want those cars to be more efficient. They want people to have more options for not driving or the types of fuel that they're going to use. And by putting all this together, we think, and in our, in our analysis shows, that California can actually cut its gas in half over the next 15 years, which is equivalent to about 9 billion gallons of fuel. We simply haven't really been focusing on this. And if we, if we do it now, the 9 billion gallons of fuel, that's about the size of the state of Florida in terms of how much gas is being used. That's that's something that we think that California can achieve. And that's, of course, where the oil industry would like to pull this back. That's a huge market for them. And not only is that about $30 billion of sales that they might miss in California, if other states see California, the nation's leader in gasoline use, cutting its consumption and cutting its spending, I think they're going to want some of that for themselves. And that's where I think WISPA really wants to stop this, uh, this snowball from, from growing and uh, taking hold. And and really rolling into something pretty big uh, nationally. Now, Tim O'Connor, uh, and I should say, when you say WISPA, that's uh, short for Western States Petroleum Association, which is, of course, short for big oil. Uh, but Tim O'Connor, um, uh, and, and by the way, I want to see if we open up the phones. I don't know if we'll have time or not. But if you have a question for Tim O'Connor, if you would like to hold his feet to the fire, because you know he's just an apologist for... Um, Big wind or something. Uh, you can call us at eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Tim, you, when you say that California is the uh, the third third largest uh, oil uh, user in the world in the in the country or the world, you said. It, if California were a country, right, uh, we, we would be the third largest country in terms of fuel use, only besides the U.S. and China. So we use a lot of fuel, but. Uh, California is also the seventh largest economy in the world. If we were a country, we would be the seven, uh, essentially the seventh largest as far as economy goes. So do we actually uh, use more fuel than everyone else in the world, or is it just because we're larger, uh, a larger state? Uh, I mean, is our fuel use actually higher than the rest of the world? You know, it's interesting. Once you, once you dig into the statistics, you'll see, like most U.S. states, uh, we use more fuel per capita per person mm-hmm. than most other countries, definitely most other developing nations, um, because, of course, we you know, have an economy in a, in a society which mm-hmm. is built around uh, the vehicles. And in California especially, we have more cars on the road than any other, any other state. Uh, you know, with a saturation point of about two cars per household. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you look at how much fuel we use per person, not only do we use it in the driving from to and forth to school and work, but there's a huge trucking and goods movement industry. I mean, California is a hub for getting goods and services uh, moving across the entire, entire country. Uh, and, uh, you know, these efforts are aimed at, you know, providing uh, more options for moving those goods and services and people. And so when we think about the opportunities that are out there, cutting fuel use isn't just about reducing greenhouse gases. It's about giving people a choice. It's about providing more cost-competitive fuels for people. I mean, you look at 
some of the new renewable diesel that's coming out there, it's actually cheaper than the diesel people pay for at the pump. And so we think, you know, with electric, with natural gas, with diesel, when we allow these fuels to compete against gas and diesel on a, on a uh, level playing field and through a coordinated effort, people are going to be able to save money for their vehicles, for the mobility options, and cut their pollution at the same time. And yet a 50% uh, reduction, a cut in, in, in just 15 years, I guess, by, by 2030 is what this, uh, uh, this bill would do, SB 350, if it, uh, if it passes the Assembly this week and then if it is signed by Jerry Brown. And I suspect it will be because he's the one who, I think, started the call for uh, uh, cutting uh, uh, petroleum use by 50%. Um, that seems a lot. So uh, is there anything to this? Uh, we made a uh, light of it, of course, rationing gas. But how how will the state restrict, as the uh, WISPA describes it, the use of gas by 50 percent? Uh, how will they, you know, are they going to mandate how many miles you can drive? What is the mandate here? How is this actually done, Tim O'Connor? Yeah, well, the, the state board, first and foremost, uh, has to, if this bill is passed, develop a plan for how uh, the state is going to reach these long goals. It's not going to necessarily, you can't just say, hey, let's, let's cut gas and not have a plan to do it and then expect to meet your goal. Right. And so the, you know, it's not a small undertaking to actually do this, to transform a system which is built, which in California has been built on the car. Um, and so what we need to do and, and what the state needs to put forward is a coordinated package that that draws on the expertise and opportunities that are coming from all the different areas. For example, the city of L.A. has a new sustainability plan. In that plan, they're coordinating local planning uh, jurisdictions and the, and the city's efforts to reduce the amount of vehicles that are going to be traveled on city, city trips by, uh, I think, 5%. You also look at the state's transportation plan, and Caltrans and, and mm-hmm. other planning agencies are trying to cut the amount of vehicle miles traveled uh, across the state by, uh, I think, another 20%. That's just the sheer number of miles. And so you, you pair that with the new investments and uh, incentives for electric vehicles mm. and for uh, giving money out for people to build out new stations for uh, natural gas or for hydrogen or for, or for ethanol. And then you pair that also with, with federal and state standards on vehicle standards, that like for gasoline and diesel vehicles, to make them more efficient. And you put all that together, and what this does is it cuts the overall pollution and greenhouse gases that are, that are going to be uh, released from the state. So there's no one specific mandate. And in fact, there's no mandates in the bill whatsoever. It's a coordinating effort to get all of these, all of these statewide planning and regulatory efforts kind of singing from the same songbook so that they're all focused on this goal, and so we're stimulating more investments in these, in these types of businesses. I mean, you look at um, Tesla. People yeah. have you know, said Tesla is you know, the, an elitist vehicle that uh, the average American can't buy. Now what you see is they're pretty There we go. Do we still have Tim, or did I cut him off too? I'm still here. Okay, there we go. Let's, the point there you, is that was that was John actually. He wanted to say uh, no on SB 350, and I oh. wanted to go to him in a second. And so, John, if you call back, I will. 
Uh, but somehow he figured out how to hack our phones just to cut you off, Tim. Well done, John. Anyway, call us back, John, uh, at eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Sorry about that. Continue on, Tim. Sorry. Yeah, I mean the the point is there are major companies that are making big investments in California, mm-hmm. and that's why you see huge Fortune five hundred companies, uh, you know, actually standing up and supporting SB three three fifty for for all of its goals and stimulating investment, like the Tesla example. You know, they're actually, I mean, they're creating thousands of jobs here. You see them developing batteries, uh, you see mm-hmm. them developing vehicles, and they're now going to be producing cost competitive vehicles to, in, a, in a much lower, uh, at a much lower price point. You see that, you see other California automakers, uh, and really it's, you know, just the tip of the iceberg, we think, in terms of what the state's ingenuity can provide for new vehicles, new fuels and for better planning. Okay. Well, let's, uh, so so if they don't meet these targets, it's not like there is a mandate at the end, oh, we have to start rationing. Oh, we are going to determine how many miles each family can drive. All of that is uh, stuff and nonsense and speculation from uh, big oil who is just clearly spending millions and millions of dollars on these ads across the state of California. Misdirection, confusion, feeding into people's fears, I mean, that's the one thing that lawmakers have time and time and time again uh, lost their jobs over, is people thinking that they're raising the gas prices, that they're raising the gas tax. I mean, look, it, it hits people in the pocketbook, mm-hmm. and, that's, and you know, that it doesn't take a PR uh, genius to advise the oil industry that that's where they should focus their efforts. And, you know, that's why you see ads of moms and children pushing the family van saying, you know, the state cut my gas. It's simply not true. I mean, the the thing that they should be pushing is an alternative fuel vehicle uh, up to their um, uh, yeah. local train station because they have better access to uh, all of the above. All right, let me uh, let me get to some uh, calls, uh, and we still don't have John back on. But John, if you are out there, I would lo- love to hear from you because he was uh, critical of SB three fifty. Uh, let's go to uh, Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Do you have a question Hello, for Brad, Tim? Nice to talk to you today. Hello, Brad. Hello. Listen, I have a question for your guest. What determines gas prices in California? Uh, we have refineries out here. Yet we seem to pay for for gas a little bit more than than so many other places in the country. I remember we were at four dollars and down south uh, in uh, Arkansas, where my brother lives, he was close to two dollars. So why is there such a big discrepancy in gas prices? Uh, in California versus other parts of the country. And I'll take some comments off the air. Uh, thanks, Morris. I appreciate that. And yeah, that's a, a great question, Morris, because a lot of times, and, and as I understand this bill, it is meant to keep that fluctuation from happening because petroleum fluctuates so much, whereas electricity uh, through solar and wind and so forth uh, doesn't uh, have the same kind of price fluctuation. So how, how does get, uh, gas get priced in California and around the country? Yeah, I mean, this is it's an issue I studied a lot because we wanted to understand what the benefits of this bill were on gas prices specifically. Uh, you see California spending more, California spending more on gas than mm-hmm. people in other states. Now, part of that is, you know, just crude oil prices. Everybody's going to pay pretty much the same price for based on world crude oil prices. It's that extra stuff that California requires out of its gas uh, that, that makes us, sort of an isolated market because other refineries in other states, they can't make the stuff and sell it into gas because we have really bad air quality and our gas has to meet special specifications. And so because we have really special specs, the refineries here in California are able to keep the supply of that special gas uh, to a certain pinch point, if you will, 
so that because they know what the demand is, they can keep the supply to a particular area, and that will affect the overall prices. And so there's actual a lot of documentation that shows that when demand starts going down, you'd think actual price would start going down based on supply and demand. Well, we can see that they increase their exports uh, of gas outside of the state to actually keep the supply that's available for consumers uh, somewhat low. And so that artificially can prop up the gas prices here in California. Mm -hmm. We're trying to reduce the overall demand to get away from this supply-demand imbalance. And actually what we think that can do is reduce the overall volatility that the people pay at the pump and kind of change the market to a more competitive market, thus decreasing the ability of the major fossil fuel providers to actually set prices above what's known as their marginal cost or what it costs them to make the fuel plus a little bit for profit. Yeah, and it seems like uh, the prices uh, particularly spike when uh, things like refineries blow up and we have explosions, uh, which which seems to happen with remarkable uh consistency out here in California and the prices spike. And of course, that doesn't happen again with solar and wind unless we have a solar spill or a wind farm explosion. Neither of those things uh, tend to happen. Uh, Tim, before I let you go here, uh, John, did though he didn't call back, uh, Desi Doyen, uh, our producer here, tells me that uh, he says SB 350 is a disaster. And let me just give you the last uh, 30 seconds or minute here to, to respond. Uh, why is John wrong? Why is this bill not a disaster? And uh, do you believe it will be passed this week? Well, I've heard a number of people say that 350 is a disaster. Uh, I've also heard people say that uh, regulations on power plants are disasters. Uh, I've heard people say that tailpipe uh, emissions um, control are disasters because they increase the, the price of a car. Uh, what's a disaster is that in L.A. County alone, we've got 20,000 school kids that have to go to the emergency room for asthma uh, every year. Uh, what's also a disaster is that we have lead and, and mercury poisoning um, in, in kids across the states, and, and, and if we didn't have, you know, the type of controls on power plants, uh, you know, that, that we have that actually have been shown to be very cost competitive, we'd have more of that. And so California leads the nation on, on solutions. Uh, we showed uh, that we can uh, reduce emissions from vehicles, uh, and the through a catalytic converter was invented, and now every everybody in the U.S. has one of those of those on their vehicles, and that's reducing pollution that is going into the air and saving saving lives. Uh, we know that we can do this in California. This is not going to necessarily require a whole new array of of regulations. What this is going to get us at is a coordinated effort to reduce pollution uh, in a lot of things that are already being done right now. And if we do that, you know, the Californians right now have to import 60% of the crude oil that we need for our gas. That's about $30 billion we're sending out of our state and out of our nation every single year. So that is a disaster. If we were a business, we'd be going bankrupt because of that. We're taking that money. We're going to be reinvesting in the California economy. And we think that we can get upwards of 16 times economic multiplier for that investment alone. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars of net economic benefits from this type of uh, this type of effort, and that's not counting the billions of dollars of, re- of reduced health costs and really kids that are in the hospital instead of on the schoolyard. 
uh, because they're sick because of the air quality. California with the worst air quality in the nation. We spend the most on gas in the nation. We can cut them both at the same time grow jobs and grow our economy as we've been doing for the last decade. Well said, Tim. Although I should add, uh, some Democrats, I understand, are getting weak-kneed here, and that's why this vote may be uh, close. Why are those Democrats getting so weak-kneed? Is this just a matter of the uh, the, the big oil and their, their lobbyists getting to them, or is there any kind of legitimate concern that, that you see that these Democrats have out in Sacramento? $266 million spent by the likes of Chevron, Occidental Petroleum, Era Energy since 2005. That's, got a, a, that's a pretty hefty price tag, and, mm. and we think that that is, of course, um, uh, discouraging some folks from voting on this, uh, on a measure like this. Also, it's a, it's a big effort. It's a big goal. Uh, President Obama, you know, when he was in Nevada, called out these goals specifically, saying, uh, that the private sector is increasingly all in, cities and states are increasingly doing their part, and Cal- look at California, which is aiming to generate 50% from, of electricity from renewables and 50% cut of carbon pollution from oil. These are national leading efforts, and some folks in California think that it's going to be uh, uh, too tough or that the bill is not calibrated and designed to meet the, the needs of Californians. Well, I think that if you dig into the text, you'll see that the rhetoric is is uh, is not correct, and that this is a well-designed, nation-leading effort that is going to move California into the 21st century, where we should have been, uh, you know, 10 years ago. We'll see. Tim O'Connor of Environmental Defense Fund. Uh, you can uh, check out their work, of course, at edf.org, and you can find uh, Timothy and give him hell on the Twitters at Timothy J. O'Connor. Great talking to you, Tim. Really appreciate your time today. Likewise. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. You bet. All right. Uh, If you're out there hanging on the line, uh, hang on a little bit further, and we will uh, try to get to your calls and more after we come back from this quick break. Uh, You know, we hear this all the time in California. It's the same script. This has been happening for decades, and every time these industry groups you know, come out and say, oh, job killer this, and uh, it's going to mandate that, and rationing this and that. Every single time, it's absolutely nonsense. California uh, has reduced its emissions, uh, even while the economy continues to grow. Uh, We have huge employment, actually, out here in California compared to the rest of the country, even with all of these onerous environmental mandates. So just, you know what? 50% 50% cut in 15 years is a huge goal. I agree. But if anyone can do it, we can do it out here in California, and we can show you how to do it in the rest of the country after we do. All right, we're going to get to your calls and more. 818-985-5735 after this quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. 
You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Yeah, you're still going to love it. You're still going to love it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here live at the KPFK studios in sweltering Los Angeles. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. We're going to get back to the phones momentarily. Uh, but first, Desi, uh, Desi Doyen, of course, our producer, you, you had a quick point you wanted to make uh, about uh, fossil fuels and the importance of what did well, you say? Yeah, uh, basically yeah. that, that, you know, as, as, as Tim O'Connor of EDF mentioned earlier, that, you know, President Obama has come out and his big speech in the Arctic. And he said, we are not moving fast enough. And this is extremely important news for people to understand that scientists say we are not moving fast enough to cut our greenhouse gas emissions to avoid the worst case scenario of climate change. Therefore, what work that California is doing right okay. now, that's very important. So you've got to start somewhere. So you're saying even if it costs us money, even if uh, gas goes up, gets more expensive, you say it's worth the price that we have to pay because we're screwed if we don't do something about well, yeah, in the, in, we are screwed if we All don't right. do anything. But also remember, there's that Citibank report that we reported on a couple of weeks ago in the Green News report. Mm -hmm. Citibank, you know, those tree huggers over in the banking industry, they actually did a very deep dive into the data. And they said, look, we're going to spend, you know, this trillion amount on mm -hmm. fossil fuels. If we go full clean energy by 2050 or so, we will actually spend less, less. than know. we would have spent anyway on yeah. fossil fuels over the same period of time. Plus, we have all the health care costs that we have avoided, and we have a cleaner world to boot, well, and that, all these new toys to play with, That too. may be what Citibank and the uh, uh, scientists, pretty much everyone in the world, says, but the Western States Petroleum Association sees it differently, Desi. What, so you mean you the oil industry yeah. is not interested yeah. in having people buy less of their product? No. Uh, for some reason, Shocker. for some reason, they're against it. Yeah, and in fact, they sort of did give away the... Give away the store when uh, Catherine Rias Boy, the president of the Western States Petroleum Association, she was asked about some of the amendments that are being added to SB 350 uh, to try to make it more palatable to big oil. And uh, her statement, she said, quote, we remain opposed to proposals to reduce petroleum transportation in California. They're just against it. They're against uh, you know, anything that may result in uh, less of their product being sold. So the hell with them. Oh, speaking of the hell with them, the Kentucky County clerk, uh, Kim Davis, uh, she, we talked about this in great detail yesterday on the program. And if you're uh, if you don't know, if you're uh, listening uh, today on, on KPFK, if you don't know, we do do the broadcast five days a week. Uh, and if you don't catch it uh, live on KPFK, you can always go to kpfk.org and download uh, our programs there. And yesterday, uh, we talked about the hero's welcome that this Kim Davis uh, received when she was released for some reason from jail. 
Uh, and, and we talked about this at the time, but I need to say this again because people really need to understand this. This woman who refused to give out marriage licenses to gay couples and to straight couples because she was saying, well, I'm not going to discriminate. We're just going to give it to nobody. The reason she was in jail was not because the federal judge all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, you know, ordered her to follow the law and the Constitution, and she would just refused to defy her own conscience. The reason she was in jail is because she refused to let anyone else in her office follow their own consciences. The other people in the office other than her son, who also works there. The other people in the office were perfectly willing to give out these marriage licenses, but she was stopping them from doing so. It wasn't that she didn't want to do it. Uh, You know, she can say she doesn't want to do it, whatever. but that's not why she was thrown in jail. She was thrown in jail because she was actively preventing other people in her office from issuing those licenses which she herself refused to issue. And even they're even beginning to get this incredibly enough over at Fox News. There was a couple of uh, I think it was over the weekend and it's a clip that's too long to play, but a couple of pundits uh, attorneys were on there saying, yeah, this woman has got it completely wrong. And the idea that opportunists like Mike Huckabee And these other jackasses like Ted Cruz get behind this woman who is defying the law, who is defying the U.S. Constitution is because, well, they are nothing but opportunists. And so when they're saying that on Fox News, uh, even Fox, when you've lost Fox News, uh, you know you've uh, you've gone wrong when you're uh, a right winger like this. Even uh, here was Shep Smith, for example, Shepard Smith talking about this uh, yesterday, I believe, on Fox News. Well, they've set this up as a religious play again. This is the same crowd that says we don't want Sharia law. Don't let them come in here and start telling us what to do. Keep their religion out of our lives and out of our government. Well, here we go again. When this started, this lawyer said he needed an accommodation for a woman who wanted one. She said she didn't want her name on a license for gay people. They couldn't come up with an accommodation. Now they've come up with one. They've let her out of jail, said, all right, you don't have to have your name on there. We just put the name of the county on there. All this is done. But it's not what they want. You're hearing now what they want. This is what they want. And this is what they're going to get. They're going to get a stirred up argument and a couple of days of a news cycle. And they're going to be able to make these claims. And, And the truth is, when you get right down to the fundamentals of this, the Supreme Court of the United States says that you can't have things being okay for one group of people and not okay for another group of people. This is not unprecedented. They did it when they said that black and white people couldn't marry. And they said, oh, wait, I guess you can. And now they've said straight people and gay people can also all get married. You want to get married? Go, go, go right at it. The government's not going to get in the way of you any more than they did in the way of the straight people back in the day. But their, their haters are going to hate. And, you know, you, we, we thought that what this woman wanted was an accommodation, which they've now granted her something that worked for everybody, but it's not what they want. This is what they want. Yep, this is what they want. They want an issue. They want an issue going into 2014, uh, 2016. Where are we? 2016, uh, that they can pretend to be outraged about, and they can hoax the suckers and chumps and dupes and patsies to be outraged and to send them money. And that's all what that, that's all that it's about. It's all that it's about. And they know it. So that's fun. Uh, Speaking of uh, chumps and dupes and suckers and patsies, 
Uh, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney uh, spoke about the uh, actually, this is clip number five, and it's a really short one. This was just so amazing. My head just about fell off when I heard uh, heard this. This was Dick Cheney speaking yesterday at the American Enterprise Institute about the Iran deal. Agreement will give Iran the means to launch a nuclear attack on the U.S. homeland. You got the uh, part of that got cut off. Let's do that again. Play the whole thing. Nine seconds. Here we go. Dick Cheney yesterday. With the removal of restrictions on Iran's ballistic missile program, this agreement will give Iran the means to launch a nuclear attack on the U.S. homeland. Yes, that's right. This agreement will lead to Iran launching a nuclear attack on the U.S. homeland. Dick Cheney, you know, and I don't even have to I don't even have the time. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put you through it. I'm not going to put you through all the times that Dick Cheney has been wrong about everything over and over and over. How he lies to the American people just blatantly, unapologetically lies about everything. Uh, but if you oh, and by the way, were we supposed to have a, a nuclear attack by now? As I recall, Dick Cheney said in 2008, if Democrats are elected, there will be another 9-11 in the U.S. That hasn't happened. That's odd. In any event, nobody's buying Dick Cheney's crap anymore, at least uh, according to PPP, which finds when it looked at the um, uh, public policy polling, looked at 23 states and congressional districts whose representatives have been on the fence about the Iran deal over the last few weeks. So this means that, you know, these are districts that are, uh, you know, leaning toward our conservative districts that are buying into the Fox News, Dick Cheney nonsense. Well, even in those districts, 55 percent of voters across those districts support the proposed Iran deal, only 39 are opposed. Even with all the stuff and nonsense that Dick Cheney and his pals have been putting out there, voters ain't buying it. And oh, by the way, uh, 57% of Jewish voters support the deal to only 37% who are opposed. So those people ain't buying uh, Israel's version of Dick Cheney, which is Benjamin Netanyahu. They're not buying his crap either. And as a matter of fact, as PPP finds, Jewish voters are slightly more supportive of the deal, even than the population as a whole. Imagine that. Maybe the lies just aren't working anymore. We'll see. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, Don in Mar Vista has been holding for a while since our conversation with Tim O'Connor. Hey, Don, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Thank you, Brad. I appreciate that. And um, no problem with the waiting. It's all good. Uh, so basically two quick uh, comments and one uh, question, if I may. Sure. Uh, first comment uh, or uh, comment would be uh, I do uh, also share uh, the pride in uh, California's progressiveness. At the same time, the hydraulic fracking and uh, El Diablo nuclear, can, uh, nuclear reactor uh, operating for the last year or so illegally, uh, that to me, we still got some, we got some work to do yeah. you know, uh, right now. 
as far as that. Quick, uh, comment number Hell two. yes. Uh, hell yes, we got some work to do. And it drives yeah, me crazy yeah. when people hear me, you know, talking about, you know, SB 350, that this plan from Jerry Brown and this, you know, or, or Obama's uh, mandates for emissions cuts as if this means we support everything they're doing. No, we don't. Jerry Brown shouldn't allow all of the fracking that he's doing in this uh, in this state, particularly in the middle of the worst drought on historic record. The amount of water that is used for fracking is just obscene. And Jerry Brown is allowing it to move forward. So, uh, yeah, we can be both critical and uh, honest about what is actually happening. So go ahead, Don. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, not at all. And I appreciate what you just said, because uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, a quick comment number two uh, is if we could actually unlock uh, all of the, the patents that uh, uh, the U.S. government has on Tesla, the actual guy, uh, in terms of his work on energy, uh, very similar to another uh, scientist, Wilhelm Reich, who uh, basically they both uh, uh, worked on harnessing Earth energy and all that, all the like. I, I know that uh, Wilhelm Reich called it orgone energy. Uh, we might have a different story on energy altogether. <laughs> yeah. Another, you know, the kind of for another whole, yeah, another show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, question uh, is this, uh, myself being a uh, person who actually uh, had a veggie oil car, actually had converted to diesel uh, for about three years at Mercedes, um, what do you think of that uh, uh, as well as one of the options uh, as far as uh, uh, alternative well, uh, yeah, fuel? Yeah, anything we do to get off fossil fuels, anything we do to get off petroleum, even if you're driving around in a car that smells like a McDonald's restaurant, that's okay. That's okay. They got good French fries there, and I'm all in favor of it. Uh, and and I'm not my air. What, what's that? And I'm not polluting the air I breathe. And you're not polluting the air you breathe. And French fries are delicious at McDonald's. So yeah, no. Thank you for Don for all of those thoughts, all of those ideas. I I appreciate it. Uh, keep up the good work, man. You too, brother. Thank you, brother. All right, we're going to take a quick break. More of your calls ahead, 818-985-5735. I know we got some Kim Davis calls and uh, and more uh, straight ahead on your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com here with you. Uh, So uh, our phone number is 818-985-5735. They've come up with this new scheme now in the U.S. House. They're now saying that we should not vote on the... Basically, earlier this week, uh, it, it turned out there was enough Democrats in the U.S. Senate to keep... This uh, rejection bill uh, by the uh, Republicans of the Iran deal from passing. So, as a matter of fact, they're going to Democrats are going to filibuster. It's not even going to come up for a vote in the U.S. Senate. Now, I don't agree with that. I think it should come up for a vote. And if if uh, they decide to reject the Iran deal, then the way the process works is the president can veto it or not. Of course, he would veto it in this case. And, of course, there are enough votes. We now know more than enough votes uh, to keep that veto from being overridden in the Senate. So I think uh, they should vote. I don't I'm not a fan of the filibuster. I'm a fan of democracy. Uh, Nonetheless, knowing that. Uh, They are not going to be successful. The Republicans have come up with a new scheme, a new plan, a new idea. And uh, basically what they're saying is, well, 
we're supposed to have 60 days from the time the president gives us the treaty to look at. We're 60 days to consider it and then hold our votes. But apparently there are these uh, deals that Republicans are describing as secret side deals. And they're not really secret. They are, I guess, side deals in that they are deals between, in this case, Iran and the uh, uh, Atomic Energy uh, Agency. And they have their own deal for how they're going to move forward after this process is in place. Mind you, this is a huge deal. There's a lot of people who have a lot of deals regarding this because we've got uh, not just the U.S. and Iran, but it's also Russia, China, Germany, France and the U.K. But now the Republicans are saying, well, the president has not given us the full deal because he didn't give us the secret side deal, which we're not a party to. So, of course, he didn't give it to them. They can go get it from the IAEA if they want, or they can get it from Iran if they want. Uh, But Republicans are now saying, so the clock hasn't even started ticking. The 60 days haven't even started ticking yet. Uh, Therefore, we shouldn't vote on this thing at all. So now they're not going to even vote on it at all, at least if uh, this uh, rump caucus of uh, House Republicans has their way, uh, this rump caucus that is being supported by the genius that is Ted Cruz. Uh, okay, let's see if we can get in a few more calls before we have to get out of here. Steve in Torrance. Hey, Steve, welcome to the broadcast. What is on your mind, sir? Hey, hey, Brad, long time no talk. Thanks for the great show. Hey, uh, I didn't know that. Thanks for the heads up again. I think I'd heard that thing about that gal in uh, Kentucky. I didn't realize that she prevented other people from doing her job. Kim Davis, yeah. Um, yeah, she, she, the judge brought her back in, had found her in contempt, but would right. not have put her in jail except he had to, in some way, allow her deputies uh, to do the licenses. She was going to stop them from doing it. But if the uh, county clerk is, you know, is not available for some reason, and in this case, because she's in jail, then the deputies may go ahead on their own and issue licenses. That's what they did. But now she's been released. She's coming back to work next Monday. I think she's going to try to stop them, and I think she's going to... her ass is going to be back in jail but that's just well, me as it, as it as it should be um you know there's a lot of religious fanatics in america shoot i'm re- i'm related to some of them oh just uh, quickly about uh, about uh, dick cheney yeah um let's say hypothetically god forbid they actually get get a nuke in in iran right and they and they're suicidal enough to try to blow it up in the united states what yes. are they going to use a flying Volkswagen to get it here I yes. mean, they don't have missiles i mean come on well, but I know it's ridiculous, but the argument is now they'll be able to uh, their ballistic missiles program. Uh, they will be able to uh, not only somehow build a nuke, but they'll also be able to uh, use their ballistic missile program to deliver one of them here. Because, and by the, the way, this the Americans won't yeah. know it's from them. Right. And turn Tehran into the biggest blast factory on planet Earth. Right. right? I mean, yeah. that's just ludicrous. Well, the idea that the Republicans are mad that this deal has nothing to do with their ballistic missile program, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with it. It's, this is a nuclear agreement. It has nothing to do with the missile program. That would be a separate issue altogether. But Dick Cheney doesn't uh, doesn't like to tell you that for some odd reason. Hey, Steve, I really appreciate the call, my friend. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. Good to hear Bye. from you. All right. Uh, do we have time for, yeah, let's see if we can get in one more. Uh, Don in L.A. Uh, hey, Don, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, Brad. You know, I was thinking the reason the Iranians want to have this deal is that they figure they can at least get off more of the sanctions. They knew that they didn't have a nuclear program, but because Netanyahu keeps demagoguing this thing, everybody in the West thinks that they do. So they came out pretty good in this thing, and they didn't really give up anything. 
And the re- wait, 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 wait. Iran, Iran didn't give up anything? Not really, because uh, Mossad back in 2012 told Netanyahu that Iran has no nuclear weapons program, and he still went ahead and demagogued this thing over and over right. every time he could. And so he's got the whole Western world thinking that it's an actual thing. Iran knew that it's not true, so they went ahead and decided, well, let's get off one of these sanctions we're under because it's killing our economy. Well, what they gave up, actually, uh, is a whole bunch of uh, thousands, thousands of centrifuges, well, yeah, and they're, they're a plutonium generator. Oh, sorry? If they're not planning on making a bomb, what do they care? Well, right. Well, they're giving up their leverage uh, to frighten people into thinking they might be making a bomb, but apparently people are going to think that anyway. And uh, they're also giving up uh, for, for when it comes to energy, when it comes to nuclear energy, because they're giving up, uh, you know, a lot of that. So they are giving well, that, up a lot. Well, that, that is giving up something. You're right. Sure. If that's the case. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, because all of that is being taken out. The plutonium, the uranium, that's all being taken away from the country and the centrifuges uh, shut down. Uh, so, you know, I think it's Netanyahu is just carrying the world, not Iran so much. You know, they're, they're just, uh, you know, what, nothing they do can convince the world that they're just being attacked over this thing. Over real, thanks. Nothing. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. I'm running late and didn't even notice. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, to Kiana Turner on the soundboard op today any, uh, or soundboard op today. Anything that went wrong, blame her. Our uh, My thanks also to my guest, Tim O'Connor of the Environmental Defense Fund at EDF.org. We will see you soon. Until we do, you can find me at bradblog.com and on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.